Hi, and welcome to On Point, a podcast by Oak Street Funding, where we bring research and data-backed insights to dig into the minds of industry leaders to learn how to stand out, navigate, and break through this ever-changing industry. I'm your host, Bridget Height, and you can support this podcast by following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on our website, or wherever you get your podcasts. We will be there hanging out, talking to industry leaders, and ready to empower you to grow your business. Now, let's get on point. Today, I am delighted to welcome Paul Lolly to the show. Paul is principal at Whipley, where he leads Whipley's multidisciplinary team, offering services to the wealth and asset management industry. Leveraging more than 30 years of experience, he helps clients navigate the growth and long-term success of their business. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Brendan. Nice to be here. <laughs> so we'll just dig right in. So let's start with going a little bit deeper into some of the questions from our recent webinar that you just filmed with our CEO and founder, Rick Denon. You talk a lot about operating a business at Prime. Can you explain what that is to our viewers? Sure. So we got into this conversation at, our, at the firm um, mm -hmm. some time ago. And the conversation was very intriguing because we were talking about what's we all know high growth businesses. Businesses are thriving because of the market. They're thriving because of, you know, they're great, at, you know, selling. They're just, they're just building the business on growth and driving revenue. But we started sitting back and going, what, what is really a high performing company? You look around the names that we know, Amazon and Google and Microsoft and these big brands. What keeps them relevant? What keeps them still top of mind? And what characteristics make up those businesses? And then how do they maintain this ability to be high performing? And yeah. there's a difference between high performance and growth. High performing businesses are just more viable, stable, sustainable, profitable. For private businesses, they're more valuable or more transferable. And not being the smartest guy at the firm, uh, one of my partners said, well, that sounds like the business is in its prime. And I said, what do you mean? He said, it's like the prime of your life, your prime earning years, the prime of your career. A business, when, when is a business in its prime? When is, it at, when is it at its most viable, stable, sustainable, profitable, transferable, valuable? And what we found through our studies was it's right before a business hits maturity. And it, you know, being from Philadelphia, Bridget, it makes me sick when I use this analogy. But the <laughs> best analogy I give, I said, you know, if you look at, you know, your favorite actors who have been around for years, your favorite musicians or your, your athletes. And the athlete I use is Tom Brady. You know, again, being from Philadelphia, that makes me a little ill when I say it. But, but if, you, if you look at Tom Brady, though, as a professional, he started his career, he evolved his career. And then he, as he got older in his career, he reached this stage of where he was in his prime. And he knew he was in this stage and he, he knew how to evolve. He knew how yeah. to change his nutrition, his change his approach to his game, his mindset, because he wanted to stay in this prime state as long mm -hmm. as possible, which is no different than a business. If I know I'm at my most high performing, first, I got to know I'm there. And then secondly, right. how do I stay there? So we call that journey pathway to prime at the firm. Okay. Great. So uh, what advice would you give to business leaders who are looking to build strong and resilient businesses for the future? Know, know your characteristics and, okay. and not only know your characteristics, but 
objectively look at your business characteristics. There's several components that we have defined that make up a prime organization. Mm. First, and, and in light of the webinar, I Rick and I just did, mm -hmm. that there's, there's a tremendous amount of pressure and change going on in yeah. our daily lives, in our business lives, with business owners in general. And those characteristics that make a high-performing, stable company, it's transformative leadership. Having a leadership team that, that is able to evolve and transform with these changes. It's right. having an optimized operating system, you know, oper operational excellence in the business from front, from front end to back end. You have modern and optimized technology in the business. You're adopting okay. technologies. And by the way, you're using those technologies in the business. Right. You have a compelling vision, not just a vision that's aspirational but a vision people can rally around. They know your purpose for the vision and you have your right. tactics for a vision. You're financially confident in the business, not just mm -hmm. because you're benefiting off of the good market, but you're financially confident that you understand your revenue volatility, you understand your expense structure, you understand your profit, you understand how the business could perform over time financially and make decisions financially for the business. You have engaged people. Your people are engaged and, and not just your people, not but the stakeholders, your clients, your customers, your mm. internal staff, your banker, your attorney and account, they're all engaged in mutual success with the organization and they're excited about it. And last is having a thriving brand. Everyone says they have a brand, but is right. the brand identifiable? Is it, and when I say thriving, what's the value and the, or the core values of that brand? What does that brand actually stay for? And most importantly, is the brand is your brand a differentiator in your industry okay yeah so paul in in the webinar that we just did with rick you you discussed being agile and and you also discussed how, ways of understanding how you could be agile with uh, understanding your data can you give us some tips or some programs that you use to understand your data sure um data is a big word data is a really big word so um, I think first and foremost, understanding how much data you have and okay. then understanding where that data actually is. Right. And, and then being able, so you hear about data warehousing or data lakes, but it's being mm -hmm. able to pull that data together. So first and foremost, a system where you can pull data together through, okay. through with different technologies. And there's actually, you know, there's, we have data professionals here at Whipfleet that, they, they, they go into your system and build the connectors to be able to pull that data into one central repository. Okay. Then it's being able to scrub that data and saying what data is important. Is it, is it financial data I'm looking for? Is it performance data? Is it client data? Is it staff data? And then uh -huh. what we use at Whipfleet is we create over overlay dashboards. So we have our, uh -huh. we've, we've been able to create dashboards, whether it's pa uh, Power BI or other type of dashboards, where I can go into our system, say I'm thinking about my client data today. I have specific key performance indicators I'm looking at for each of those, whether it's performance or staff or financial. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to use. It's all on one screen for me and it moves. So I can say, okay, here's my green key performance indicators. Okay, here's a yellow one I got to pay attention to. Uh-oh, okay. this one wasn't red last, last month. Why is this key performance indicator red? So it's collecting, organizing it, scrubbing it, building those KPIs around it, 
and then created a visual platform to actually be able to look at it. So okay. dashboards is the case. Great. Thanks, Paul. So a key subject that we're hearing now has to do with succession and G1 making the business profitable, but also navigating an internal Gen 2 being able to afford it. So let's start with Gen 1. What are some tips for navigating a successful transition? The understanding what transition is, first mm -hmm. and foremost. Transition, first and foremost, is how the business transitions through its life cycle. How does it go from startup to growth to expansion to the stage of prime and stay there if you're not going mature? So understanding that. Second, transition gets confused with exit planning. Okay. And, you know, you say, I said, you know, you say exit to a business owner. It's a four-letter dirty word. You know, <laughs> you know, you want to talk about your exit plan. Yeah, call me in 20 years when I'm actually thinking about that. Right. Transition planning is the ability to time, taking time over a number of years to make little plans, make little decisions. So you're not waking up on a Monday morning at some point in time with no plan. Now you're making all these decisions at once probably a very emotional time to make this decision and you're right. trying to do the best what's for your business. So transition is just that it is the ability to think long-term over time of how I will eventually perpetuate my, because what my business owners don't like to think about or understand your business, the business will transfer. It's whether it'll be voluntarily or involuntarily. So right. how much control you actually have over that process. So, it's it, it it it's a process. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I've heard this before. Thank you. And the, and then what about Gen Two? What can they do throughout their time at the business to increase their chances of a successful transition that doesn't up uh, up deplete their assets? It's what I'm about to say. And going back to your first question, real quick, the question mm -hmm. is you know, how to how they can successfully navigate a transition or afford a transition. Right. Well, if I don't plan and I wait to the last minute, of course, my next generation is going to have the ability to buy me out. Right. So how do you start creating those mechanisms that over time that they can start to create the capital needed to buy you out at some point in time? And right. also, I tell business owners, don't confuse what a value of third party strategic buyer will pay for you and what your internal staff can pay for you. Okay. You're not getting the highest maximum strategic value. What you're getting is a fair value, but then it becomes, what do you want to net out of that? So a lot of planning goes into the net number. What G2 can do, first and foremost, be curious. Be, be curious, not about what you do daily. Be curious about the business. Be a okay. student of the industry that you are in. Learn the industry. And be curious about how the business operates, because we've seen it oftentimes. The next generation is very good at their quote unquote job, right? but they haven't taken the time and or the, the leader of themselves, the G1s themselves, haven't taken the time to help the next gen learn how to be a business owner. Okay. So uh, what can business owners of all generations do to adapt to changing talent, talent needs and expectations? Um, understand it's changing. Uh, for, for, first and foremost, yep. uh, under, understand the talent pool, is, the, the culture of the next generation is changing. Um, mm -hmm. We said in the webinar, there is a strong now um, focus on work-life balance. Yes. Um, there is giving also giving that leadership 
not, having that leadership provide the tools to the next generation to be successful. Um, this this up and coming generation is very technologically savvy. Um, you know, I'll, I'll play with my iPhone for an hour and not be able to work it. I'll give it to my 19 year old daughter and she'll have it fixed in two seconds. Um, <laughs> so it's the adaptability to, of technology yeah. and understanding most importantly too how we communicate. We communicate differently depending. And this is one of the first times we've seen in our workforce where you have boomers. And I, I call myself now the lost generation because I'm an Xer. So I'm, I'm, I'm stuck between two generations. <laughs> but, but you have the boomers, the Xers, the Ys, the, the millennials, the Z, all working in this environment. So it's how, how, how do we effectively communicate with, 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 this, with this workforce? And again, on this workforce too now doesn't want to be, have a dictator as a, as a leader. They want right. to have a, they want to have a collaborator. And they mm -hmm. want to know their purpose on why they're doing what they're doing and what, and if they do that, what they're doing with how they progress in their career, what does that future look like and how are they part of that future? Okay, great. Um, so how, how can businesses create a culture of innovation and continuous learning to develop their employees? Adapt the culture of innovation. Uh, it's, okay. it's, 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 it's interesting. Um, a, a lot of times business, business leaders in general, can, we confuse change with innovation. Change is just adopting, adapting to what's going on. Innovation is predicting of what can happen in, in the future and adapting okay. to that. So mm -hmm. it's really looking at how is our industry being affected by change in technology? What's coming down the pike? Um, the big word now across industries is AI. How is a, how is AI affecting this business? You yeah. can't say the mindset of this isn't going to happen to us. You can't say this will not affect me. Mm -hmm. It's, it's changing not only how businesses conduct business, but I'm a firm believer that it's, it's changing because the consumer behavior is changing and in wealth and asset management, those consumers are your clients. The way they operate in their daily lives, it's immediate gratification, it's hyper-personalization, it's immediate digital connectivity. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I said this in the webinar, because I, I, that's kind of my standing line, but I say, you know, I, I hear the older generation isn't technologically savvy. And I immediately respond by saying, my mom is 75 years old, she posts right. on Facebook probably more than I do, and she comments <laughs> on the LinkedIn post. There is a digital connectivity. Yeah. That, so innovation is what's the next evolution of the technology we're using and be aware of that. And it's all right to say, no, I'm not adapting that. But saying no and not being educated on it is way different mm -hmm. than being educated and making an educated business decision. Right, right. Um, so next question, how can businesses adapt to changing client needs and expectations? Understand the client demographic. Um, okay. I, you know, no, really. Um, yeah. You know, if we're talking about the wealth management industry uh -huh. as, as an industry where I focus my time on, you have changing demographic of the persona of the client. And, you know, mm -hmm. it used to be, you know, it's the boomers. You know, they're our client base. But now you have this next generation that thinks of relationships differently. They think of connectivity differently and communication differently. 
They yeah. think of investing differently. You have now women in investing. And what are we doing to attract more women, female clients right. to our business? So it's really understanding that persona or demographic and how do we connect with them? Yeah, I think I think for a very short term, the days of sending out quarterly market reports is done because <laughs> it's, not, it's not personalized. It's not immediate. Right. Um, and I, I, I make the comment, you know, I won't say what bank I bank with, but I can't tell you the last time I was in a bank branch unless right. I really. Yeah. And 20 years ago, 25 years ago, people couldn't think about not going to their bank branch. Right. Yeah. I remember my dad going every, every Saturday, every Saturday. So, so I think with it, the, the, it's bad. It's about, it'll be a balancing act between yeah. you'll, you'll never dis, disintermediate the relationship. Mm -hmm. How to use innovation and technology to enhance that relationship. Great. So how can businesses prepare for and mitigate market challenges? And then how can they help their internal team and their clients navigate these challenges as well? Short term tactical plan. Okay. That's that that's the key. Um, yeah. It's one of the best parts of being a business owner. And I was a business owner for a number of years. One of the parts about to be a business owner is you're only accountable to really to one person at the end of the day, right. you're accountable to yourself. And yes, you have staff, but, and the reason as a business owner, we never want to write things down <laughs> with actually actions attached to it because it holds us accountable. It would hold me, but those that's changed. Um, and, and it's not writing a fluffy five year strategic plan of aspirations of where I see my business and how big it's going to be. And well, it's about, what are the what ifs that could affect my business today? And do I have the contingency plans in place to address those? Because it, it's the old saying, having no plan is a plan. Something will happen. You're just not going to be in control of it. Right. So it, it's looking from everything from how your business is generated to your client demographic, to how your clients are brought in, to how your yep. clients are served. So that affects your revenue, your expense structure, and your profit. So it's tying your strategy with your finances and constantly looking at those two. Okay. So before we wrap up, do you have any final tips for business owners, especially as we head into 2024? Really objectively look at your business and okay. say, is my business just high, high growth because I've been, I've been benefiting from the market performance. I've been benefiting mm -hmm. or really objectively, am I running a high performing company? And the question I ask a lot of business owners, that's kind of a showstopper. If you don't show up for, on Monday at work and you're not coming back, what happens? Mm. And oftentimes we hear Bridget, how the business ownership will transition. That's not yeah. the question we're trying to solve for. The question is how does this business continue to operate in the least disruptive manner? And because a lot of times those owners, they have a lot of knowledge that they haven't transferred about how the business operates. So the one is look at your business. Am, am I high performing? Am I as viable, stable, sustainable and profitable as I can be? It's great to be transferable. It's great to be valuable. But there right. the, are the components of those two. Sit back and say, OK, over the next 24 months, what are the what ifs that can affect my business? I may not want to use the plans I'm putting in place, but at least I have a plan to address this. And then looking out and saying, 
what is the true future vision for my company? What's my future state? And am I okay. doing the things I need to do today to hit that future state? Great. Thank you for that. So at the end of the show, we like to ask a fun question. What is the best book that you have ever read? Do comic books count? Do comic books count? <laughs> um, uh, wow, I, I, I've read, I've read, uh, I get for this purpose, I'll say it's a, one of the business books I've read. Um, okay. I read a book by Gary Keller. Um, I picked it up at the airport in one of the shops. It looked cool, so I bought it. It was called The One Thing. Okay. And, and as a, as a business leader, as somebody that's responsible for people and somebody that oftentimes you come in and the day you expect it is not the day you're going to have um, in business. What the book one thing drove home for me is we are inundated with all these different things we got to do, or all these different things we want to do. Mm -hmm. Step back and do one thing. Get that one thing done and then move on. Because if you spend the time quietly focusing on the one thing, you'll put your best energy towards that. So I would say one thing by Gary Keller was the best business book. I read all the books about being business leaders and all that. It was just right. so, it was just so normally written that I could understand it. Okay. Yeah. I, I got to wake up today and just do the one thing I want to do. Do the one thing. Well, what was your favorite, what was your favorite comic book? Oh, I'm a Marvel person. So yeah, <laughs> and I'm so well. I'll go back to Mad Magazine back in the day. So. <laughs> I got to but then I got to laugh once in a while too. <laughs> Absolutely, Paul. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it. Thank you all for listening to On Point, a podcast by Oak Street Funding, where we bring research and data-backed insights to dig into the minds of industry leaders to learn how to stand out, navigate, and break through this ever-changing industry. I'm Bridget Height. Tune in next time wherever you listen to podcasts as we get On Point. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks. <laughs>